0: Excellent reading, thank you. We are in 1 Samuel, so if you're making your way to 1 Samuel chapter 3, no moving around. We'll be there in that chapter this evening for just a bit. John Golden comes up to me, and he's the only one to say it. You all heard some untruth spoken this morning, and no one caught it. 600 people hear untruth, and only one catches it. What a shame. Were you all not listening? George Washington did not cross the Potomac. Well, he may have. I mean, John said I'm pretty sure he probably did at some point. But it was actually the... Yeah, okay, so maybe you did catch it. and You just were kind and didn't say anything. It's not doctrinally big deal, but, you know, when you call into question history, and we're talking about Genesis 1, I mean, that's trouble. Um. Paul says try to get people to come on Tuesday night we need a few more people to eat some steak or some chicken listen here's you're gonna have some great entertainment uh it's gonna be kind of similar to last time there's gonna be some great it's gonna be a magical night is all I can say to you and and one person will have their husband disappear you want to come that night because it might be you and you might want that to happen. So if you want to get rid of your husband, come to the church thing on Church Street Station Tuesday night, and you might get to walk away with that. No, that's terrible. That's a terrible thing to say. Nobody will want to do that. But I'm just saying it's going to be a good time, and you'll enjoy it. I want you to know this, too. I was the only one at St. Bernard's Village. I had a great time today. Guess who led singing? Yeah. And guess what? It was really good. Ina, was it good? Is Ina here? Where is she? Was that great singing? Great singing. See, she said great singing. She would not lie. Anna would not lie in church. But anyway, so I've never, I haven't led singing in years for anything, and I had so much fun with those folks, and they were so gracious and generous, and the fact that they couldn't hear a thing helped a whole bunch. And I mean, But anyway, we, we had a great time and, and, and enjoyed that. Remember, next Sunday is Mission Sunday. Uh, Ladies' Day is Saturday. Don't forget Ladies' Day either, but Mission Sunday. Chad Wagner is our guest speaker all adult classes will meet in here. So if you're in, a, in a high school and down, they'll go ahead and meet, but for, for uh, adult classes, they all meet in here for Bible class, and Chad Wagner presents a mission kind of thing, and, and it's going to be different because it's about different areas. And then uh, he's going to speak, and he's a very capable, experienced preacher, so I promise you'll do, he'll do a really good job, and, and mission is the emphasis, so remember that. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 3. There's this book Um, that was highly recommended to me. I read it, devoured it, and I recommend it to other people. It's called Created for Connection. It's a marriage book, really. And and what the author argues is this. um, Marriage is about oneness, and if you have oneness, and you nurture that oneness, and you and your wife are on the same page, and you've got the connection strong, no matter what else might be wrong in life, you're okay. That's kind of what oneness means from Genesis 2 even. The connection is strong. We are on the same page. We're in tune with each other, and there's nothing in this life any better than being fully in tune in intimate fellowship with one special person who knows you well. It's hard to sustain this, though. With the busyness of life and with different things that get in between you, and you get distracted, and you're living long periods of time apart from each other, and you don't get connected again, There are studies that show husbands and wives will often talk less than two minutes a day. I mean, in conversation where we're looking eye to eye and actually having some conversation, very little conversation sometimes, and you go a few days like that and you get disconnected. And it starts showing up in your relationship with each other. And the author argues that what you'll start doing is you'll start crying out and trying to restore this connection, but you'll do it in the oddest ways. I'll get short with you. I'll get mad with, uh, mad at you, and there'll be this high tension, and I might raise my voice, all in an effort to say, listen, we've got to get back to connect." But for whatever reason, that's the way I express and cry out, is through just antagonizing each other. And the fights that we have and the turmoil that we'll create, it's a sign that we're disconnected, And it's a cry to get reconnected, but it takes two people to do that. And when one of them chooses to, for whatever reason, not join in the connection, tension results, and there's a lack of trust, and there's a lack of confidence, and it undermines everything. This book is true about that when it comes to husbands and wives, but it's also true about your walk with God. God created us with a need to stay connected with the Creator, He created us to have this relationship with him. In the garden, it was beautiful because they would go walking all the time. In the cool of the evening, they'd go walking, and that connection was maintained. God would come to them, and they'd come to God, and they'd go walking, and they'd talk, and and that connection was restored. Perfection, total paradise. But when they were cast out of the garden... Now it takes extra effort on our, ha- on our behalf. It takes a real effort to stay connected with God, and sometimes, sometimes we don't. The peace that's there when we're connected with God is beautiful, but the disharmony that's created when we don't is ugly for our lives, and we'll feel the tension. And even when we don't interpret it right, the tension that overtakes our life has to do with that. The judges period is what results when people aren't dis- are disconnected from God. That's what Samuel discovers in 1 Samuel chapter 3. We see other texts where people experience this. Do you remember? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask for your input here. Do you remember when Saul just quit listening to God? He just disobeyed God over and over again, and God discovered that he just, he's not paying attention to him anymore, and, and, and God says, I'm not talking anymore. Saul then found a time where he desperately wanted a connection with God again, but when you don't pay the phone bill for a long time, it, it gets disconnected. And there was no connection for Saul And no matter what he did, God didn't respond to him. And so he gets desperate and he goes to Endor and he meets a what? A witch. He's going to go consult a witch with the intent of bringing Samuel back up to find out what the word of God is for him. That's how desperate he got. That's how forlorn he got. And so he, he has this experience and that's what happens with people. When for a long time you're disconnected from God and there's this vacancy and this void. Well, God had spoken to Moses often and we see that conversation. We see him speaking with Joshua. But then that judge's period came where everybody did whatever they wanted. God sometimes spoke but people didn't pay any attention. People weren't listening. They were doing whatever they wanted to anyway. And suddenly the word of God, look at 1 Samuel chapter 3. Remember, this is the end of the Judges period. He says, when the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare, and there was no frequent vision. Nobody was hearing from God. Nobody was seeing God. Everything was going on autopilot, and God really had no bearing whatsoever on anybody's life. That's what, the, that's what the atmosphere of the land was as Samuel grows up in this, as this little boy. And the result is ugly. Now, we know God's tried this. In chapter 2, we know that a man of God came and gave a message to Eli and to the people. But guess what Eli did with it? Well, okay, whatever. And he ignored it. You spend enough time ignoring what God tells you, and he's going to stop talking. He's going to stop the conversation because you've not listened to him. You've decided that you're not going to pay any attention, and he just quits talking. There's a famine of the word of the Lord in the land, as the prophets would say. But now God is going to venture into something. Now there's this young man who just might be willing to listen, and God's willing to give it another effort. And God's going to come. How does he know about this boy? Well, well, he knows about the faithfulness of Hannah and he knows about Hannah giving the boy to him and he knows that this boy, this is weird, is sleeping as close to where the the, 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 the uh, ark of God is as he can. This kid is showing, he's sleeping in the church building by the Lord's supper table, right? I mean, that's where he, that's where he stays and this boy is showing that I, I have a desire to get close to God and so God said, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to throw out a test and see if he's going to respond to this. This is a can you hear me now moment uh, in scripture. So the Lord calls to him. Samuel's never heard God's voice, so he has no idea who it is and Eli is further back in the t- I don't even know what this building is. It's not the tabernacle and it's not the temple. It's something in between. We're never told what it is, and that's why it's weird to describe it. But I'm going to call it a tabernacle temple. It's kind of like that. It's in Shiloh. And, and, and here's, here's Samuel, sleeping close to God as he can, and Eli, who's this old, big man who cannot hear or see very well. And so when he hears, his, when he hears something, it doesn't say what he heard, he heard, he heard something, and he runs to Eli, and he says, Eli, I came to you. You've called to me. And Eli says, I... I never called, go back to sleep. He goes back, he lays down again. Second time, it says what God said. God speaks his name. It's a beautiful thing to know that God knows your name. God knows the name of this kid. He's never spoken to him before, but he knows his name. He knows of him, and so he says, Samuel. I don't know what it sounded like. I'd like to know what God's voice sounded like. But he hears it again and he runs back to Eli thinking, this time I did hear him. Eli says, no, I, I never say anything. Go back. He goes to sleep one more time. But this time Eli has figured out something special's happening. Eli has experienced the voice of God before, but it's been a long, long time. And he gives him a hint for, for how to hear God. Do you know? what your job as older christians is for young people to teach them the art of listening to god that's presuming that you know what that means Here's Eli who, he can't do a whole lot of helping. He's older now. He's limited in his abilities. But he can help this young man discern the voice of God for his life. And we need you as seasoned Christians who are here on a Sunday night, you need to be available to young people and teach them how to use the Word of God and discern how it applies to their lives. This is no automatic easy thing. And just because they can memorize a hundred verses doesn't mean that they know how to discern how this Word applies to my life. They need older people to help them know how to do this. I want them to memorize verses, and I want them to know the word, but I also want them to know, how do I bring it to bear in my life? How do I know when this word applies to a particular situation? And Eli does that. So Samuel is prepared to use this information, and this time time God comes to him and calls his name twice, and it says that God actually stood there before Samuel. Samuel can now not only hear God, but he can see him in some form. And what an awesome experience this is. If we don't listen to God, we can never see him. You've got to listen to him first. Before he makes an appearance in your life and shows up and you can see his presence and you can see his action in your life and the way he shows up and the way he impacts you, you can't see that until you listen to him. And so Samuel uses the insight that Eli gave him and God gives him this really long, detailed, awful message about what God's about to do in the land, Eli's heritage and Eli's sons. It's a terrible message, but there's no real instruction with it. God doesn't say, I want you to say this to anybody, or I want you to do... God doesn't give him any imperatives at all. I'm telling you what I'm about to do, God says, and he gives him this awful message that he knows... That he knows that he's going to have to give Eli, but he doesn't want to because how's Eli going to take this? His sons are going to die and Eli's going to be stripped of some, some, some rights and privileges before God. His family is. It's a terrible message and there's nothing new to it. It's not like this is something earth shattering or new because Eli has already heard this at least once, probably more. What is God doing? Not telling Samuel anything new, but something very harsh. The only thing different is it's time. The time is now. God does this wonderful promise. Amos chapter 3 verse 7 on the screen, I think. Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. God does not make a move without preparing his people through his prophets. And so God is calling Samuel to prophecy here. And he's wondering, is he listening? Is he going to do it? Is he going to share the awful truth or not? It says Samuel lost sleep. It says Samuel got up early and started busying himself, hoping to get busy opening the doors and doing the chores and taking out the trash and all these other things. I'm going to get busy doing these other things because I just can't, I just can't picture myself re- relaying this horrible message to this father figure of mine, this man I care deeply about and love him dearly, and I'm going to have to tell him a horrible message. And and, and here he is thinking about it all day, and he's trying to distract himself. And maybe, maybe Eli won't ask, but no such luck. Eli comes to him. Is Samuel going to stay faithful to the message, or is he going to water it down? Is he going to weasel out of it? And the answer is no. Samuel lay until morning, verse 15. Open the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, he said, here I am. And Eli said, what is it that he told you do not hide it from me. May God be, do so to you and even more if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it's the Lord, let him do what seems good to him. Eli passed the test and so did Samuel. He just told God's word, just like God told him. And do you know what the job of the church is? Tell it just like he says it. And you will, if you're the proper church of Christ, lose sleep before you do it. And you will distract yourself because there's some words I just don't want to say to the world. There's some things I don't want to say to believers. His truth is hard. His truth is harsh sometimes, and we've got to decide, are we going to be the kind of people to just tell people what they want to hear? Well, how does the New Testament describe it? Itching ears, tell them what they want to hear, tell them what we want to say. I just want to be friends with everybody. I, just, I, just want to, I don't want to tell you the hard truth, the stuff that divides. I, I, I think of it as like uh, Jude. You know what he said? When I started writing you, Jude said, I wanted to talk about the common faith. I wanted to talk about all the stuff that we share and we love about what Jesus did for us. But I've rest- I realized in looking at your atmosphere, we're, I'm going to have to talk about contending for the faith. Sometimes you just got to say it. So he does it and he continues doing it. He does it over and over. And Samuel grew, verse 19, and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. In other words, none of the words God told him and he told others failed to come true exactly as God told him. You faithful to me, Samuel, I'll be faithful to you. You listen to me and do something, I'll keep talking. You you keep listening to me, I'll show up. I'll give you. And notice what it says. All Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord appeared again. God made appearances again. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. God's willing to speak but when his people don't longer speak anymore, they don't see him, they don't pay attention, they don't heed the message, and God vacates and the church goes on as a godly church there are churches in our land where God isn't showing up and God isn't speaking but they're still meeting I don't want to be one of them if he's not here I don't want to be here either We have some advantages that Samuel didn't have. We have a written word of God in its final form. And I'm not saying by that that God's no longer active or he's not revealing himself in your life or he's not revealing himself through nature. I'm not saying that. But Hebrews chapter 1 says that Jesus was his final best word It was the last word God spoke because it was the most clear word. You can't see any more clearly than Jesus. You can't understand more clearly than what Jesus said. And He's the final word, a clear message. But there's still a need for God's people to learn how to hear it and how to say it. So here's the two tips for you, and then we're done. How do you hear and see God? How do you learn to see God in your life? When you come to the Word of God and you open it, adopt the posture of this, and even say it. I think all our public readings should even start this way. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Speak to me. I want to hear from you. But I'm your servant. You're the Lord. I'm the servant. I'm taking my posture. You speak. You speak, and I, as your servant, will listen. Go ahead. Speak. I want you to speak, and I want to hear it. And and listen doesn't mean that it registers as a sound wave in my ear. It means I'm heeding it. I'm saying, yes, sir, the moment I hear what you say. We're the ones to take our cue from God, and we follow through This word is to transform our lives. It's your mission for the day. You hear with the intention of carrying it out. So speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. But then, but then when you've heard it, when God is willing to speak it to you, you'll see him most clearly when you're willing to actually live it out. I love Samuel for his two responses. He mulls it over he thinks about how this is going to affect people. He doesn't run out there with this loud, obnoxious, firm stance that doesn't care about how it's going to be received. He has pondered it all night, and he, he doesn't know how he's going to do it until the moment comes. But what he knows is he's not changing a thing. He's not leaving a thing out. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to say it exactly as God told me. I want us to say it, and I want us to say it slant. I want us to say it exactly as it needs to be said. Right now we're on this series about gender, and I hate this. This is the worst series ever in the history of my preaching. I don't want to to do this. All the stuff I'm reading is I know that, that by saying these things and doing these things, it's hurting somebody. There are people struggling with this stuff, and the truth is going to hurt somebody, and I'm going to look at somebody whether the world is listening or whether it's just the church, and I know some people struggling with this, and they're going to hear this, and it's going to hurt them. And guys, I know I've got to say it, but I don't want to. We do not have a choice. I hope we speak we don't need to stutter and we don't need to low voice it like we're uncertain we need to be firm and clear but i think there needs to be a reticence in us that is aware of how this is going to affect some people it needs to bother us a little bit and we need to grapple with it before we choose how we're going to say it and samuel passed the test on both counts This is how we see and this is how we hear God. If we refuse to ever open up that word and submissively obey it, his word will always still be his word and it will last forever, but it will do us no good. It will just form the basis of our judgment because we're no longer obeying him. We might hear an echo of his words through a preacher or through what somebody else says, but you're not hearing it directly from the Lord as his servant. If you refuse to obey it, you'll never see him. If you obey it, he will appear. And as you obey, you begin to see his presence in your life and be changed by it. And the one thing you never want after that is to ever lose him. All you want is to keep that connection there. So are you seeing and are you hearing God in your own life? If you are, keep the connection clear. Church, you were created for connection. And when you're right with God and in harmony with Him, fully aware of how you fall short, but you're obedient and you're repentant and you intend to get up and you intend to do the will of God. And even when you fail, you come back to that message and you repent again. And that is staying in connection with Him. And you don't want anything to sever it. If you tonight are familiar with God's voice and you see him often, just keep the connection clear. All you want is more of him. If you are a person, you are a believer, but you're not seeing and hearing him anymore, you know what it takes. You were created for that connection. Speak, Lord, your servant's listening. And yes, Lord, I will tell it just as you said it. And I will live it just as you said it. And even though it hurts, and even though it bothers you, what will more than make up for it is when you see them. There's nothing like it. If you need to make a response this evening, we stand ready to receive you in any way. In any need that you have, repenting, confessing, being immersed, whatever is the need you have to submit to the Lordship of Christ, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, and do what you need to do as we stand and as we sing.